Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. On this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, you'll meet Roshonda Epps. She's a speech-language pathologist in private practice in Charlotte, North Carolina. She has two kids and built her private practice around her schedule so that she can maintain flexibility for herself, her family, and her clients. After you listen to this episode, if you want to do this too, if you want to be just like Roshonda, which I'm pretty sure you will as soon as you hear her story, Head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar to sign up for our free private practice training. Now, as you listen to this episode, be thinking about the parts of her story that parallel yours, because she was a regular SLP just like you. Listen carefully to how her journey played out, because it's a wonderful blend of wanting to be a mom and a business owner. And remember, if she can do it, you can do it too. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. Before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Okay. My my name is Roshonda Epps. I am located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and my practice is Speech Therapy Zone. I am so excited to talk to you tonight, Roshonda. And before we dive in, share what your early career as a speech-language pathologist So my early career as a speech language pathologist was me working in the public school setting primarily, worked in some of the largest school districts, starting out in the Midwest. And so most of my caseloads were extremely high, working with kids, primarily with autism. So at one point I had a caseload of maybe 68 kids. Mm -hmm. I've pretty much traveled from school district to school district and worked with children. And so that pretty much been the gist of my early career, but I did have clinical opportunities that where I was able to work in the skilled nursing facility with adults, doing some PRN work. Um, I was working in the hospital doing PRN work as well, but primarily being in the school system. Okay, 
So I think that's what a lot of people do is they work in schools and then if they feel comfortable with adults, starting to do some PRN for mm-hmm. you know either some extra money or to kind of keep alive in the adult world. Mm-hmm. What point did you start to think about private practice? Was it back when you were working in the schools and also doing per diem? No, I didn't start to think about private practice until I had my first kid. Mm. So that was when everything shifted for me. Being single and working in the schools, I was wanting to travel and see the world. I wanted to do some travel assignments. I wanted to get as much experience as I could being single. But I didn't think about private practice until I had my first child and needed the flexibility, needed the time off. I struggled a bit with wanting to stay home and be there with him all the time. And so I was looking pretty much for the flexibility, like, what can I do to keep me at home to be with my baby? And so that is what pretty much changed my mindset into thinking about private practice. And that is very common. It's very common for people, you know, have some sort of life event. For a lot of people, it's motherhood. For some people, it's maybe a family member who's ill or Mm -hmm. another passion project that some people have. But to start to think about time and how precious time is and to create work that fits around our time needs. Mm -hmm. It sounds like that's what you started to think about when your son was born. Correct. So what happened next? So um, I stayed home for a bit and I just knew that I wanted to have motherhood and I also wanted the career. I wanted both. And so what I did, I said, okay, I'm going to go into independent contracting. So at least I can get some of my time back. So I started contracting for various therapy companies. One of those companies ended up being a teletherapy company. And I absolutely loved the fact that I could work at home doing teletherapy while my baby was still with me. But I still felt like it wasn't complete flexibility because I was still having to show up for that particular contract. I was still working with their caseload. I still had to pretty much work for that company. It, I, it wasn't complete self-autonomy for me. I wanted to own all of my time. I wanted complete flexibility. I did put my son in daycare and that was one of the toughest things for me to do, put him in daycare because I loved him being at home. But I knew, I said, okay, I'm going to put him in daycare And then I'm going to go work in private practice, but for someone else. And I would work for this practice. I would do teletherapy and just kind of pick up contracts on the side. And as I was dropping my son off, the director of the daycare said, well, you know, you're a speech pathologist, right? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, well, I had a bunch of kids that I need you to see. And, you know, I joked about it and laughed. And he, you know, he said, okay, so when you come back, bring your business card. Well, at that time, I did not have a business card. I didn't have anything because I was not set up as my own business. So went home, told my husband about it. And I said, you know what? I'm getting all of these parents and, you know, daycare directors asking me if I could see their kids. And my husband, he goes, well, do it. I said, but I can't, I'm not set up as a business. And he said, just do it. So that's when the search began. I mean, I went out and got my LLC and really, really set up and start to take everything serious. That's pretty much how I started. It started with one kid at my son's daycare and it has blossomed from there. So 
So making the connection with people that is already in the community has been a lifesaver for me and my business. And that's how I was able to start speech therapy. Okay, so it sounds like you had a combination of two things happen. One was that you had your son and you wanted to have time with him. Mm -hmm. And then you had some other people who started asking you if you could work with private clients or whatever, right? So you had an internal desire. Mm -hmm. Then you got external validation from the daycare director and also your husband Mm -hmm. that you could actually do this. Yes. Right. And so took those actions that needed to happen in order to be, you know, fully, you know, set up and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so what did your private practice look like in those early days? Okay. So in the early days, my private practice looked, it was just me wearing all the hats. I was doing everything from the networking, the marketing, the website. I would say I was almost letting the business run me. I was taking calls and whoever, whatever calls came through, those are the patients that I saw. And it wasn't necessarily that I was comfortable with that. I was eager to begin. I was eager to get started. And so it was just almost, I'm not going to say out of control, but it just wasn't clearly defined. I knew that I wanted to provide a service, but I hadn't narrowed down what that would actually look like. So that's what it was in the beginning. But fast forward, I started in 2016. So fast forward to now, I have added an administrative staff. So I began delegating someone to answer the phones when calls come through. I have a billing coordinator. I have an intake coordinator or a community liaison. Basically, I began outsourcing and delegating so I don't have to do all of these things. Because burnout was real. I was facing burnout really early on. Because I started getting a lot of referrals, but I didn't know how to deal with all of them. And so I needed hands-on immediately. And so the first thing I started to do was outsource and hire and get my systems together for my administrative tasks. Because that was very important. I'm dealing with insurances and, um, and also being able to deal with the new patients and calls that I was receiving. I needed somebody who would be able to help me on the back end of everything. I knew how to do the therapy, but it was the administrative side of things. So early on, to me, my business was not as defined as what it is now. I didn't have a niche. I was seeing everybody. (laughs) And that's okay. When people are first getting started, I think it's actually a good thing to see anyone who comes your way, who you are capable, obviously, of seeing to get that confidence, to start to grow your caseload, and to get that Mm -hmm. income Mm-hmm. validation that you can do this and then start to create a niche from there. But mm-hmm. I really love what you're saying about delegating and about outsourcing and taking yourself out of the jobs mm-hmm. that you don't have to do, right? I'm more of an adult medical person, so I'm not sure if there's a, I guess it's the same lingo for the schools, but the idea of like skilled and unskilled therapy, right? Yeah. There are things in your job, in your private practice, that you have to be the one to do. Absolutely. But there's plenty of stuff that would be considered unskilled that Mm -hmm. you don't have to do. In fact, by not doing it, you're probably like taking yourself out of the way. You probably were a roadblock to your business in some ways. Yes. Yes. That's so true. I mean, I had to get good with delegating. And that's one of the things that I would recommend starting early on, don't wait until you grow 
into doing that. Start early on delegating, even if it's just one task, have someone or hire a virtual service to answer your calls and take your messages. Start delegating early on so that you won't face the burnout later because the growth is going to come, but you just have to have the backbone or the system in place to be able to handle the growth. I love it. So take us to kind of where we are in the story now and then what happened next. Okay, fast forward to where we are now. Still at the growth stage. I would say one of my short-term goals is to possibly hire my first employee. That is going to be big or huge for me, being that I've been a solo practice for three years now. Hire an employee to where she can see clients through teletherapy and also in office just like me. That sounds great. And, and I know because we talked a little bit before that you now have two kids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when you yeah. were first getting started, your first son was kind of the spark that made this whole thing happen. But now you have two children, right. as do I. We both have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. <laughs> yes. Both boy moms, yes. young me. men, little boys. Yes. Yes. Making us very tired, but we love them to pieces. Mm-hmm. Right? But we talked right. about how flexibility is really, really important for our family structure. So tell the listeners, how do you make your practice work around your family? Oh, wow. Well, that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love what I do. I mean, for the flexibility. And so one of the things that I do is that I allow or extend that to the families that I see. So when they come in and they may say, Mrs. Epps, we want to, can we come in the office this week? Sure, you can come in the office, but then they may say, well, we're having difficulty, we're running late. Um, Is there any way we could log in and do a teletherapy session for this week? And so that's, I'm fine with that as well. I love having the flexibility myself as a busy mom, having to wear so many different hats. So that I have extended to my patients as well. And they absolutely love it. Not being defined to just one aspect of therapy services. So if they want to come in office, if they want me to go into the school or the preschool, or if they want to do the therapy online, it's all available to them. And I love being able to offer that therapy. And I think that's going to be becoming more and more common. I think that today's family needs a lot of accommodation, as do today's business owners. Mm -hmm. We want to balance family with business, right? Absolutely. That allows me to If a parent calls and asks me to do a teletherapy session, I could do it right from my house. I don't have to leave and my kids are upstairs and getting their homework done and I'm able to leave out of my office and and go cook dinner and come back. So it just allows the flexibility and I think it's very important, especially as a mompreneur. That's what I like to call a mom entrepreneur. It's just a wonderful way to be able to work and be able to provide services and help other families as well. Absolutely. Where do you see the most of your visits? Do you do mostly telepractice or mostly? It's really mostly in office, but I extend the telepractice option to my current clients. And so mostly in office for my practice. That's fantastic. So you mentioned some future plans, one of which is going to be hiring your first employee. Mm -hmm. What else do you see in the future down the road? I mean, your kids are pretty little. Do you want to keep things, you know, on the smaller end while they're younger or start to do more hiring? What what is the vision for the next couple of years? I would like to keep things kind of where they are while my kids are still little. I love being able to 
have the clients that I have throughout the week be able to spend the time with my kids. More long term, I would love to possibly add in school contracting and kind of pivot a little bit from doing more clients coming in office and doing more contracting. So that would be me getting maybe some teletherapy contracts in other states. I'm licensed in Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, and North Carolina. And so I'm just wanting to possibly pivot a little bit and do more contracting with schools and maybe add more teletherapy into speech therapy. I think that sounds like a great plan. That's one of the benefits of this whole thing is being able to say, you know, what do I want? What makes sense for me and for my family? And knowing that there are opportunities out there either to create for yourself Mm -hmm. or to just make happen. You can choose your own destiny, really. You can decide what's going to work for you and go for those things and Mm -hmm. keep it small while you need that. And then maybe when your youngest, you know, heads off to kindergarten or first grade, you could go bigger. It's totally up to you. Right. Exactly. That's honestly why I went into it for this very reason. It's just being able to shift and change and adapt when needed. And so I would recommend anyone who's thinking about doing private practice, you know, don't think too long, hop in there, get your team together. Like you said, Jenna, get the validation from your family and friends. And what did you say? The internal factors. Yeah, like and you can be internally motivated, yeah. right? But you need yeah. some external validation. All those things that motivate you and just get going and you can do it. <laughs> I know if I can, they can too. And that's really one of the things that I want to highlight for everyone who's listening. I hope that there's something about Rashonda's story that resonated with you. Something that you thought, wow, yeah, I could see myself in that situation or I could see wanting to do that too. Because that's why I hope that people are listening to the podcast is to not only figure out how other people are running and operating their private practices from like a tactical kind of point of view, but also to think about what are some of the desires and internal drivers that we all have? People have different things that they prioritize in life, right? Mm -hmm. But hopefully Mm -hmm. there's something about your story that listeners are like, wow, okay, if she can do it, I can do that. And I do remember early on, I would get in my own way, what's called imposter syndrome. Like, oh, you know, can I do this? Should I do this? Oh no. You know, if you're listening, get out of your own way or start knowing that you can, you're more than qualified, you're more than capable, you can do it. You just have to get out of your own way. And, you know, one of the things I would recommend is to know your why, you know, my why about why I went into the field was to help others, but then it shifted and it became more meaningful after I had my children. And so whatever your why is, you know, get a a good focus on that and, you know, that is going to take you a long way because it'll help you determine your style and your flow and how you provide therapy to or how you structure your private practice. That would be my thing is just to always remember your why and to just do it. I love it. Is there anything else that you want to leave with the listeners before we wrap up? Sure. One of the things I would recommend is getting with a network of people who are like-minded And so you probably would want to get with, I mean, Jenna, you do an awesome job with your Grow Your Private Practice. I am part of that. But just getting with other like-minded therapists or other private practice owners to kind of help 
you go through your journey as well, because it does get difficult. And sometimes you think that you're the only one that's out there doing it. And that's not true. We know that, right? But sometimes you do need a community of people who are like-minded and who can also help you through your journey. So I would definitely recommend that. I think that's a great recommendation. You know, one of the things that we talked about, I think before we actually started recording, is that for a lot of us, there was like literally no information out there Mm -hmm. when we were first starting our practices. And it was almost like a taboo or like hush-hush topic, right? right? Between other therapists. And that's one of my main goals has been to try to like stop that, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be this like thing that people are doing, you know, in secret or on the exactly. side, yeah, not wanting to talk about, right? There are mm-hmm. people in our communities who need our services. If any of us know how to do something well mm-hmm. and are open to sharing it with other people so that mm-hmm. they can do an even better job, right? Be doing that. That's another way. We don't have to just help clients, mm-hmm. we can help out our fellow SLPs. Yes. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important to determine your why, because my business may look totally different from the next person's business. I mean, it's supposed to. There's no cookie cutter. Everybody is going to have their own personality and style and the way that they do their private practice. And so someone else asking me, you know, how did you get started? And for me sharing my story, my hope is for you to even start and to be able to learn from my mistakes so you don't have to do the things that I did. And so this is the beautiful thing that we're able to do this. Well, and thank you for taking time out of your schedule too, to do this interview, right? The people who come on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, so it's such a mouthful, Private Practice Success Stories podcast. They're also, they're giving their time, they're giving, you know, sharing a, a bit of their lives for the benefit of anyone out there that we can help speed up the process for them, mm-hmm. both in terms of speeding up the process, but also giving people the confidence to just go for it. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight and being willing to be interviewed. This was a wonderful interview. And I think that especially people with little kids or people who are hoping to have kids mm-hmm. will really think about what you said about flexibility in designing a practice around your life. Yes. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you. Thank you for allowing me to share with your listeners. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you for being on and we'll be in touch. So how amazing is Rashonda? She had an amazing opportunity fall into her lap and she took it. I tell people all the time, don't wait for opportunities, create them. Well, Rashonda could have said no to the opportunity at the daycare because she wasn't set up to see private clients. But remember what she did instead. She got herself set up. And you can get yourself set up too. This is literally what I help SLPs do because I feel so strongly that private practice is the only way to take control of your professional, your personal, and financial life. And if you want to do this too, if you want to be a mom and a successful business owner, the best place to start is my free training, which is available at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar. Now on the training, I cover my five-step success path to private practice, which by the way, 
Rashonda followed, and I also cover some of the major mistakes that I want you to avoid. It's completely free, lasts about an hour, and I promise that you'll learn more about private practice in 60 minutes than you ever learned in graduate school. So head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar and sign up right now. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms in your own time, and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independentclinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.